Hi, I'm Don Patterson, Chief Editor of The Art of Coaching Volleyball, and you're listening to The Front Row, where we talk to coaches about ways to become a better coach. With me is Terry Laskevich, three-time USA Olympic coach, and our guest today is Kevin Hambly, recently hired as head coach of the Stanford women's team after eight successful years as head coach of Illinois. Under Kevin, the Illini went to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament six times and made it to the national championship match in 2011. Kevin, welcome to the front row, and congratulations on the new job. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a fun place to be, and I'm enjoying it so far, so I appreciate that. Stanford's considered uh, a dream coaching job in college volleyball. Was this a no-brainer for you to accept this position? I wouldn't say it was a no-brainer. We, we molded over pretty hard. My wife and I, we were pretty happy in Champaign and had a good situation there. And um, But when it came down to it, it just... It felt right. The place was great. The culture was great. And uh, I mean, it, it didn't get easier, but it just it seemed to make sense for moving forward. And so um, we we were excited to, to make the change. And I, I think getting my wife on board was the most difficult part about it. But we certainly figured that out. So yeah, some coaches are tasked with rebuilding a struggling program. You inherited a national champion. Uh, you know, what yeah. are, flip no expectations, which is nice. That's what we were hoping for. You know, <laughs> yeah. just coming to a place with no expectations is easy. But yeah, it's it, yeah. I'm excited for the challenge of it. I think it's, it's I think it's uh, it's different. You know, it's a it's, it's a different puzzle that you have to solve. And and I enjoy puzzles, and I enjoy um, trying to help the players navigate that as well. And, and you know, winning the national championship, it's it's interesting because even the players would say they didn't play great until the end. They kind of they didn't play bad, but they were working through things, and they really came together at the end. So here we have this high level of expectation with a team that really played good for three and a half matches, three matches, uh, but also and, 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 and understands that and knows that there's a lot of room for growth along with those high expectations and the belief that they can do it. So I, I really like the mix as we've been talking to the players, trying to sort out where their heads are at and everything. It's Again, it's going to be a really fun puzzle. I talked to your outside hitter, one of your outside hitters, Catherine Plummer, last night, and he, she said one big focus in the early part of this year in the gym under you has been trying to make the players more efficient. Uh, and I believe yeah. she was talking mostly about blocking, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. No, we're, we're looking at everything, just the way we move and uh, the way that we block, the way that we approach. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of young players that were on that group and um, a lot of them have never really uh, put time in on the details of just their movement. And there's a lot of move. On defense, there's a lot of people moving one direction when the ball's the other direction and taking some steps that don't make sense, whether they're false steps, whether that's a false step or a step the opposite direction or whatever. And then and then on the on approaches, you know, they're not necessarily loading before they get in their last two steps and their posture, they're starting in these postures where they had to kind of adjust before they moved. I mean, there's a lot of inefficiency of posture and movement and we're just working through all that. I, I think one of the cool things is about these kids at Stanford is that they're as everyone knows, are very bright. And so when you talk to them about it, you start to explain to them about center gravity and movement and force and all those kind of things and talk about the biomechanics and the physics of it, they understand it. And I used to talk about those things in Illinois, but I kind of cut it off. Uh, not that the Illinois, we had some really bright kids in Illinois, but they just like, all right, oh yeah, we got it, we're on it. Where these kids are sending me articles on things or want to look up things about it and, and have got more longer discussions. And it's, it's great because it just helps them kind of make these movements and these skills and these different things their own. And I, I'm really enjoying that part of working with these Stanford kids. Hi, Kevin. Terry Laskevich. Welcome. Hi, Terry. Uh, Hi, Terry. Thanks. 
So when you walked in the gym the first time at Stanford, did you set any goals for yourself? And then did you articulate those goals for the team going forward for 2017? Well, we we didn't set goals as far as competitive goals or that stuff um, as a group. I think what I did the first day I was here, um, we, we, that the team was around, I met with the team and I set expectations about what I'm going to be like and what they can expect about the, the me in, in charge of the program and kind of lay that out and just talked about things and then who was going to be around and all that kind of stuff and staff and kind of alleviate all that. And then my only goal, uh, there's two goals I had in the gym. And I, I'd say this isn't just my first day. This is every day is just, well, I guess there's really three, be yourself, be patient, and then hold them to the expectations that you or hold, hold them to the expectations that you're, that you want to see them play with from the beginning. And, I, and it takes time to get them to that place, but we got to kind of hold them to that expectation. We can't, work our way into it and so i just i felt like i was being myself and i think one of the cool things that happened really fast is because i was myself and i was holding the pace and the expectation of how i think practice should go when aaron Lindsay came to join me and she walked in after here for being here for or being away from or coming in uh, 10 days later or 12 days later or whatever she walked in the gym and it was just like this feels like your gym already and it, it did it, it does it does it feels like a, a a gym that that i like to coach and the, the pace that i like to coach out and the, the the communication and all that and it it happened really fast i think because i wasn't trying to be anything else but me and i was holding them to how i like things to be and they they were eager to jump into it and there's a lot of anxiety and nervousness that they have of course about what's this going to be like and what's he going to be like and they were very comfortable with john and they all signed up for john but i feel like they bought into it very quick and it made it really really easy uh i think that to, to get in the gym and i think that's the safest place right now is the gym for everybody because it just feels comfortable terrific and and you you use the phrase trust the process so explain yeah. that a little bit what is trust the process yeah it, it just you're not going to get better overnight and it's not like solving a math equation the training the human body and to do things it, it takes time and you have to relearn things and sometimes you have to unlearn things and so <clears throat> if you know, you, you understand why you're doing the things you're doing and you understand how it's supposed to look at the end. And this is for the players and the coaches. Then we have to be patient and we have to trust that, that, uh, the, that the process of learning is they're going to go, they're going to get worse. The results aren't going to be there. And, and eventually they're going to, if they, if they trust that, they, they don't put judgment in every movement and they don't judge their results that they're actually going to get better and get to the place that we want them to be. And um, I think that's a really difficult thing for 18, 19 year old girls, but I also think it's a really difficult thing for 40 to 50 year old coaches. Sometimes, you know, I think it's hard to trust no question, them and Kevin. Yeah. Be, and, and to be, uh, to, to not be, not get impatient and uh, uh, to just want to see results right away. I mean, you have to have a lot of conviction in the way that you're teaching and the things that you're doing. And you also have to know how to teach that. And I feel comfortable in all that. So I feel like, We've had some success teaching kids and changing their skills and their techniques. And so it's easier for me to trust that process because I understand it. I think what's different is that these guys have to learn how to trust me. And um, a lot of that, a lot of that's, I think it's coming and, and they've, there's been some assumed trust, but I still think there's work there. And I think they're not used to uh, maybe thinking about it in the terms or the language that I'm talking about. And so them understanding where I'm coming from is going to help that because trusting the process for them, for the players, means trusting me in the process, not just trusting the biomechanics of the process or the, um, 
the, the the physics or whatever that's going on in that. So it's it's complicated, but I, I I'm enjoying that that puzzle as well. I think it's fun. So the takeaway for a beginning coach would be you've got to be patient when they're getting worse before they get better. And as you identified, coaches need to understand that too. So that's great. Now talk about swing blocking. Um, when, yeah. when, when, when Don, when Don talked to Catherine Plummer, she mentioned that that's something you're working on and, um, explain, let's say I'm a high school coach or a club coach. When do I swing block? When do I not swing block? Or do I always do one or the other? What, what's your feeling? Well, I think sometimes, I'm, I'm going to back this up a little bit. I think sometimes people look at swing blocking um, as a system. And swing blocking is a movement. Swing blocking is a, a technique that you can use. I think it's, it's just part of a toolbox. Uh, what we're actually teaching them is we're teaching them a bunch read. And then to do it is is we're we're working on this swing block move because it works inside the bunch read. And a bunch mean read means that our wing blockers are going to be tighter, maybe arm's length away from the middle blocker. The middle blocker is not going to move based on what the the other side of the net's whatever's going on the other side of that. And we're just going to stay in a position, and it's going to be more like a zone defense in basketball where we're going to read the play that's in front of us and then react and go block. So inside that swing, inside that read system or whatever system you use, there's these different movements that you need to have in order to execute that system. And I think swing blocking is one, but there's times when we're not going to be able to swing block to your, to your question. And we're going to have to shuffle because maybe a team like Oregon, I can think of in the PAC 12 that runs so fast and runs such varied offense. We may have to shuffle on that, or we may, we may have to be out at the pen already waiting for them to, to attack that space because they're going to be able to tear our system apart. And so swing blocking to me is the first thing we're, we're working on. Uh, well, swing blocking, not to me, but swing blocking, the first thing we're working on is, is the swing block because it's not what they've done in the past. So we want to teach that movement. It also helps us teach attacking because there's a lot of the same principles there. Um, and then, then and to, put, to push the floor away and to be efficient in our movement and those kind of things teaches us. It, it allows them the skill to be able to stay tight in a bunch and read and be able to block the whole net and all those kind of things. So it's a, it's a good basis to, to teach from when you're teaching a bunch read system. When should high school coaches do it? I, I, think, I think if I was coaching a high school team, to be totally honest, if I didn't have a bunch of kids, I don't know how much time I'd spend on blocking, period. Most coaching, I think I would Good teach point. them to read the game and see it, but the footwork, I'd be more concerned about how do I just get these guys getting their hands over the net and see the game right and get their hands over the net, whatever works, because you only have such a little time to actually train. I think from a college aspect, I think the swing block system, if you dedicate time and you put it in there, to me, it's, the, it's my favorite system and it's the best system because of the aggressiveness and the attacking nature of it, that you're being attacked and you attack back with your feet and you attack back with your arms and you can be a little bit more aggressive that way. And so I like that nature. I like the, I like the nature of that movement for that reason. And, I think and, I covered your No, no, you, you did exactly. And, yeah. and just to end with that, I know you, that you were a great blocker, Kevin. So coming from a great blocker at the levels that you played at, at the high levels in college, um, obviously with internationally and so forth. So those are well-taken points in blocking. And that's a nice transition to BYU. Uh, you, you played for a coaching legend there and Carl McGowan, who sadly just passed away in December. But what's something you learned from Carl that's part of your coaching philosophy today? Well, I mean, I learned, I learned 
uh, is, is too, is, we don't have enough time to name all the things that I learned about coaching. I think the, the, the main, the main takeaways that I learned was the, the things that I really enjoyed about him. I mean, certainly he was process oriented and before growth mindset was a buzzword, we had a growth mindset, you know, and I, the way he went about teaching him, he was a great teacher of the game and his methods and his, the simplicity that he, you know, I, I think anyone that's worked for Carl, he would make things seem so simple or played for Carl or worked with Carl, whoever's been around him, he makes it seem so simple. And he, there's genius in the simplicity of his cueing and the way that he teaches it. And so certainly I try to emulate that. Um, but I think as a coach, the thing that I enjoyed the most was um, seeing his process to try to understand the game and that he was a student of the game as well as a teacher and trying to analyze the game and to study it and to understand it and look at the best players and and try to figure out how he can make his team better than that or at least up to that level. And I, I, I always appreciate that. That's one of the main things that I've taken away. I mean, even Carl was talking to me and he watched a video and we were having lunch one time and we were in a rotation defense and he hates the rotation defense and I knew it and I was waiting for him to bring it up. And he's like, Hey, I was watching you guys play Penn state and you're in a rotation. And, and, uh, I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, why I go, you know, you know, as a smart ass that I can be, I was just, cause we won. That's why, you know, it, it worked. And it was, it's why we did it. And he said, well, so there's other things that you can do to make that work. And, and so we talked about, it. I said, okay, what was your process of understanding uh, like why, why should you're talking about this middle, middle defense? What, what did you do to come up with that and drew some dots on paper and all this stuff and went through the process. So I had my guys work on that and I sent them a chart of it and it, there's dots where the dots were on the floor was a rotation defense. It would have been exactly what a rotation defense was. And so he said, yeah, you should be playing a rotation defense. So I appreciated that. It's about, it's not like, Hey, I'm doing this cause I just believe in these principles. It's, it's more of a science-based background where we're going to do research, we're going to study it, and then we're going to decide how we want to play. And so I think that's the main takeaway that I took from Carl was be a student of the game and then be the best teacher that you possibly can be. No, those those are great uh, points, uh, certainly, Kevin, that you mentioned. And I think that sometimes when people take literally what systems to play when they're just starting out as coaches – and they put themselves in a spot without ever thinking or without ever saying, why am I doing it? Certainly that's, uh, you know, Carl would disagree with that as well. And I think people uh, need to know that. You have to design systems for your team and know exactly what you're doing. Totally. And I think you have to play to the strengths of your team too and you and hide the weaknesses. And Carl did that all the time. I, I, think, I think the one thing is that what's great about this people – buying into what listening to other coaches, whatever that is, whether it's listening to you, Terry, or it's listening to Carl, or it's listening to Russ, or it's listening to whoever, um, and just taking those things. The great thing is that they, they can sell it with conviction or they use your name as a way to sell it to the players. Um, and, and that's, I think that's why people gravitate towards that. But certainly it's what, there's much more value in studying and doing your own research and understanding to a level that you can share it and even showing your players Hey, look, this is why we're doing this. Like, here's the research that we did. And I know that the things that Carl would come into our gym with every year, things would change every year. But when he presented it, it was with such conviction that it built that trust. The same thing I'm talking about with our players right now at Stanford, you, you have that. You, he, he would say, hey, here's why. He'd show us the research. He'd talk about it. These are the reasons. And we'd understand it. And then we, would, could, we could do it easily. And I think if you put the time in, it's a lot easier to, to – uh, Commit to it yourself, but also 
to, sh to kind of share that kind of enthusiasm and, and uh, confidence when you're teaching the players. And that just helps them. It just helps build trust, which is the most important thing in coaching. Let's talk about uh, high balls versus running a faster offense. I was talking to Jim Stone, the former Ohio State coach, uh, recently, and he said he thinks that you uh, went to with more of a high ball offense a few years ago because the numbers supported that, but then maybe yeah. switched a little bit to go faster last year at Illinois. Uh, tell us about, uh, was that at all a change in philosophy, or was that just related to personnel that you had and, and trying to fit that? Totally personnel-based. Uh, I think if I look at defense, I look at that as team defense and system-based and the way we want to attack. And if I look at offense, I'd say it's the opposite. I think it's it's personnel-based. You have to play the strengths in what you have. And last year, we had two guys that were, you know, when we went really high, I had two six four outsides that had huge arms. And we went fast, and the numbers told us that they were better slow, and so we went slow, you know. And then um, and I've had a few players like that, Jocelyn Burks, Colleen Ward. Those guys were just better in that system. But last year I had two kids. One one had a 36-inch vertical and 6'1", and she didn't have a big arm. And so we went fast, Michelle Strezak, and we went fast. And then we had another kid who was another 6'1 outside who was really explosive and had a good arm but not a great arm. We went fast with her and we tried both. It just turns out that she was better fast, you know? So again, it just comes back to do the research and, and see and, and, and evaluate, probably more evaluate as we're going along, what's actually working. And that's how we make our decisions. Is that important uh, at the club and high school level too, that coaches look at that, even though they're, they're not uh, coaching the same caliber of player that you are? that they take a look, a close look at who they have and, and then decide accordingly how they're going to run their offense? I I would think so. I mean, I I think that it's hard to say because I haven't done an evaluation of that, you know, and maybe going fast works for them. I, I, would, I, I can't speak with great confidence about what it would take to win at the college level, the high school level, but it sure seems like, I mean, if I was in that world, I would be just evaluating what's working and i would try both and i would go fast and i go slow and see um you know that the the blocking and the defense is less sophisticated in um uh, in, in the club and and uh in high school level and i think maybe maybe it's even less important to run tempo because uh you know especially high school they don't always have three blockers at the neck that i can actually block just setting a high ball over the five nine outside hitter maybe is as effective as trying to run any kind of tempo. And you have to look at the, the kill to error ratio. You have to look at how efficient you can be and how many rallies you win when you just get the ball in play. I mean, there's a lot of things that you'd want to look at um, that I would want to look at before I made those decisions. But I, I, I would, I would approach coaching at any level the same, whether I was coaching international or I was coaching 12 and under just what's going to work. And let's evaluate that with some kind of objective measure. And hopefully for a quick offense, you'd have a good setter because I mean, if you can't deliver that ball, that's pretty tough to run a quick offense. I, I, I see that all the time. These guys that can barely set, and all they're doing is just flipping it to the antenna and hoping to make contact. And, uh, yeah, I, it, it blows me away. I, I, I mean, I know people see things. We, you mentioned before we were talking about just USA Volleyball, how fast they're going, and so we're going to go do that. Those setters are pretty good on the on the national team that are running that offense. And honestly, I mean, I think that's one of the places where there's two places that the two places I think our country could use work, and I think Karch would agree is is setting and serving. And um, the, the setting is the one place that we just we haven't we don't have a ton of people training that at a really high level, and there's not a lot of players that can run tempo and truly be able to connect at a rate that seems like 
you can run it as fast as some of these teams are trying to run it. So I agree with you, Terry. I think you got to pay attention to what your skill of your players, of course. That's an interesting point. I mean, I think a lot of people look at the national th- national team and say, well, that's what I ought to do, but it's not really a model for a lot of uh, lower-level teams out there. And, and uh, I think also, as you said, I've had a lot of coaches tell me that they don't think the quality of setting is as good today as it was maybe 15 or 20 years ago at the college level. What do you think about that? Well, I think I think the, the the fact that these club teams from young ages feel the the pressure to win, that they're not as committed to that process and going through it and training the setters to to be technically sound. So I think I think I guess I can answer easily. I agree the setting's not there, but I think it's a product of how competitive these young ages have to be. I mean, there's 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 coaches on 14 and under teams if they don't win the national championship that are worried about losing their job inside the club. And to me that that we shouldn't be worried about winning maybe till 18s. You know, it should be all about development. And the the clubs that I've seen that do a nice job of training their setters are much more committed to having good teams later than they are about having good teams early. Now, certainly they want to compete and they want to learn how to compete and learn how to win and all those kind of things. But in that inside that they're committed to the process of teaching the kids to actually play the game uh, instead of being caught up in winning. And I, I, I know I understand all the pieces of that because if you're winning, then you get the better athletes. The better athletes, the more kids that want to come, and it's all about it's about numbers and it's a business. And I understand, but it's it's too bad that it has to be a business and that it can't just be about the development of the athletes. Well said. Well said. Now, now. you were a great program at Illinois that won two um, away game matches in the same year against national champion Penn State and Nebraska in the same week. I don't think that's ever been done since 1991. What's the difference in playing home and away in a great league like the Big Ten or the Pac-12? Uh, well, I don't know the Pac-12 yet because I haven't coached one match in the Pac-12. But I, I mean, just competing in those leagues, I I think that man, people get caught up in the crowd and they get caught up in the balls and they get caught up in the. Um, Things that are, I mean, basically just outside of your control. And I, I think the teams that I've had that play well on the road, and to be honest, we've been better on the road some years than we have been at home. I think we could talk about that a little bit too, if, if you want, but just the pressure of the crowd sometimes and the anxiety of the crowd and the effect it has. But Meaning at been, home, Kevin, you're saying sorry? the crowd at home, right? So I'm sorry? You, you're saying it's tougher sometimes at home because of the crowd, because of because your of own crowd. our own crowd. Yeah, right, you, make, you get right. aced once and the crowd gets anxious and your team starts to feel that. And they're, you know, like... Literally, it was it was o two against I don't know Michigan State last year, and um, a kid made a mistake, and the crowd, you know, some guy yells like, "Oh, come on, Illinois, get your stuff together!" Like starts freaking out <laughs> in the middle of the stands, and the place is quiet, and you're just like, "Dude, settle down, it's gonna be fine." Like we just won the first set, but I just think that the anxiety that the crowd has, they want you, the kids to win so bad, it has an effect, and so we talk about on the road, it, you, you focus on what you can control, which is it, you get it more internal. And you get more with your group and you don't worry about the crowd and you don't worry about, you don't, you don't get excited, but you try to just maintain your own arousal level. And I think it's, sometimes that's easier on the road because especially in the big 10, what, what I, that's what I know about the crowd, you know, 8,000 people in Nebraska and they're going to be rocking. And so you, you, you have to focus more. It's almost like being sick. You know, I remember playing basketball when I was six. Sometimes I have better games and Michael Jordan had some of his best games when he had the flu or whatever, because you focus more. And I think that, because he focused more. And I know, I know I felt that way as an athlete, sometimes injured or sick, you focused more. And I think the crowd, everyone's working against you. 
your whole team gets more internally focused and they get even more focused. There's less things that there are less things that they allow to distract them. And my teams that have been good on the road have been able to handle that. And then they've been tough. They were tough. And they didn't they didn't get caught up in the in the in the crowd or the situation. They 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 maintain that kind of focus. Because it's it's easy to say that and it's easy to start that way. But when it's 24-23 and the team's serving, it's a lot tougher to stay internally focused. But those guys were tough enough to be able to do that. So I don't I think it's much more about emotional and mental and, and the group staying together and all that than it is anything else. And um, the teams that I've had have been good on the road have certainly been that way. A great example of that is Stanford's uh, win at Wisconsin last year, down 2-0, and uh, they seemed to pull it together and, and obviously uh, win, win that match, which was a do-or-die. Uh, yeah. your, your, your players have, have been through that, They're your current players. Certainly. Uh, Inky, Inky was a great leader for that group in that moment, in, the, in that time. And um, she was some of the things that I get to, got to hear from behind the scenes about her and all that. She was a pretty special leader to help them pull through. And she kind of gave them that toughness. And then they started to believe. And uh, it was it was pretty incredible to to get secondhand um, stories about that. She's a pretty special leader. Well, let's uh, wrap it up then with uh, taking a look at uh, the players you have um, back this year, a, a very talented group, and, and you've got, uh, we mentioned Catherine Plummer, and Haley Hodson comes back, Audrey Fitzmorris. Uh, a lot of those players can play multiple positions, and, and your task now, I think, with figuring out where are you going to put them. Tell, tell me about that process when you have players who can play opposite, who can play middle, who can play left, and, and you've got to figure that out. Kevin, this yeah. goes back to your your. Uh, you said you you like puzzles, so this is a puzzle. It is. It's a fun puzzle. I think. I mean, it's nice to have a puzzle when you have, you know, a six 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 five six eight uh, players that you get to work with that can play the game and can do a lot of different things. I mean, to me, it's this puzzles. This is fun, and um, I, I don't know where this is going to go, and I, I won't know. We won't probably know until. Um, you know, we get into a month into the season, probably we'll have a better sense of how we want to play. But I, you know, I, I think one of the things that you have to take care of first is certainly ball control. We, we have to figure that that's the puzzle off first. And Plummer's been making some good strides that way. And I thought she was pretty good at the end of the year. She's getting better and she's committed to that. And I mean, I think we can, everyone would say with pretty confidence, just some comments around here, she's going to play left. And if Hodson's healthy and good to go, she plays left. And then the rest of it just becomes how do we use Moretta uh, Lutz and how do we use. Um, Fitzmorris, and how do we use and Tammy, uh, who's an incredible athlete that a lot of people haven't seen, or Courtney Bra- Courtney Bowne, who's a six-five middle that no one's seen from New York City, that is probably our best blocker in the gym. I mean, we have a lot, a lot of different players, and what we'll do is we'll experiment. We'll we'll move people around and we'll test it and we'll see and we'll see what tempos work best, and we'll go we'll go rotation by rotation and see what can be the best, and then look at the sum of all those rotational parts and see what makes the best team but sitting here right now at this time with three weeks in uh i have no idea what that's going to look like well i have some idea some of the things we're going to try but man i'm excited because there's there's some there's some potential here to be really really special you don't have too many recruiting worries it sounds like and that that uh, we can close with terry's favorite line about stanford is that stanford coaches uh, don't recruit they anoint so i guess <laughs> <laughs> i well i it doesn't feel that way <laughs> it's um, it a different conversation here than it has, was at illinois and uh it's 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 pretty fun to be in the mix of some of these kids so we're enjoy- i'm enjoying that part of it as well Kevin, best of luck to you, and uh, I'm excited uh, to see your team, and I know you'll do a great job, and 
uh, we look forward to seeing you down the road. Yeah, Kevin. Same. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I appreciate it, Don and, uh, and Terry. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. And Take care. That wraps up the front row. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you next time.